But when you're doing what God says, when you are fulfilling the commandment, you're bringing yourself to it because you have freedom of choice. Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. But when you're doing what God says, when you are fulfilling the commandment, you're bringing yourself to it because you have freedom of choice. So when it came time to actually enter the promised land, God says, don't ask me what to do. I've told you what to do. Now the freedom of choice kicks in. Now it's your move. You decide how you're going to do it. The spies made a mistake and they thought that it was up to them to decide whether they were going to do it. And that's never, never right. But there's another thing about this whole spy business. Why send spies if everything that the Jews needed was coming from heaven? They came out of Egypt without any effort on their part. God brought all the plagues. God disheartened the Egyptians. God drove them to despair until they had to give in and let the Jews go. Then when the Jews are caught between the army, the Egyptian army and the sea, God splits the sea. Now they're out in a desert. They have nothing to eat. Food falls from heaven. They're thirsty. Water comes from a rock. People who are that pampered people who have all their needs taken care of, why would they even think of sending spies? God said, go into the desert, and he provided everything. Now God says, go into the land. Rely on God. He'll give you the land. What do you need to spy for? What is this information going to do for you when, when you don't have to do anything at all except follow? God is doing it all. Here's what happened. The Jews, having experienced God's presence at Mount Sinai, having spoken to God face to face, were in a completely spiritual state of mind. And even their lifestyle was totally spiritual. When you have food from heaven, your life is very spiritual. Now God says to them, go into the land, which meant... Until now, I've been doing everything. This has been a miraculous existence. You're living in a, in a, on a level, on a plane of existence where the laws of nature just don't count anymore. Everything is supernatural. But that's going to end. Go into the land and start living by the laws of nature. The Jews at that time, righteously, religiously, objected to going into the land. When the spies came back and they said, the land in devours its, in its inhabitants. What they meant to say was, living in nature, living on land, devours the inhabitants. It's all consuming. You start living by the land, 
you start living in the land, you're going to go into Israel and become a farmer and a, and a soldier and, and, a, and a carpenter, you're, you're going to lose everything you gained. Judaism will be over. It's finished. You cannot live on earth and be heavenly. You can't live on the land and be godly. They're incompatible. We have to stay in a desert. We have to keep getting food from heaven. That's what keeps us spiritual and godly. But once we go into the land, you'll be devoured. You'll be, you'll be so distracted, you'll be so caught up in earthiness, in land kinds of things, that, that Judaism simply doesn't have a chance. So they claimed, with, with all sincere and, and righteous intention, they claimed that going into the land would be a spiritual suicide. Only two of the 12 spies gave a positive report. They said, it's a piece of cake. It's our bread, to be literal. It's our bread. It's not that the land will devour us. We will consume the land and turn it into something godly rather than have the land consume our godliness. It's good. God had come down to Mount Sinai, but the people weren't sure how far down did God come. They thought that being in a desert is far enough. They're human, they're physical, they're, they're eating physical matzah, they're lighting physical candles, they're putting on physical tefillin. Enough. Physical enough. If we go any further, spiritual suicide. But Yehoshua and Kalev, they said, not so. There's more. There's more godliness the lower we go. The more earthy, the more we get into the land, the closer we get to this additional godliness, greater godliness, that exists in the truly earthy levels of earth. So here's where the spiritual devotion of an earlier generation couldn't adjust to the progress of godliness becoming more and more earthy, more and more natural, more and more Moshiachdik. And when it comes to these transitions, here's where God says, now you have to make a decision. Because to become more earthy cannot happen miraculously. That's a contradiction in terms. So when we have to take another step towards earth, that step has to come from the earthy being, from the human being, from his own experience, opinion, and, uh, and this personality. So God says, now you make a decision. You're going to come down to earth. It's got to be done in an earthy fashion, not by divine decree. So this challenge that presents itself every few generations, how earthy can godliness be? When are we committing spiritual suicide? There were people who felt that after the destruction of Europe, after the destruction of the Jewish communities of Europe, coming to the West, coming to Canada, coming to the United States, is spiritual suicide. There isn't going to be any Judaism in Canada. There isn't going to be any Judaism 
in the United States. It's too earthy, too worldly, too secular. Godliness needs a certain protected environment. Godliness needs a ghetto. Godliness needs a holy land. That's where it can exist. That's where it thrives. But in earthy earthiness, not a chance. Spiritual suicide. And of course, our grandparents, great-grandparents, were horrified even at the thought of coming to the West. The Trefe Medina, a land that is by its very essence not kosher. Trefe. Only the few who had the vision of Yehoshua and of Kolev could foresee that the West would in fact become not only the new home for Judaism, but in many ways a greater home for Judaism. So we need to appreciate the godliness that is earthy, the godliness that is truly down to earth. Because that's the progression, that's the plan of history, that is where we're headed. When God has come down to Mount Sinai so thoroughly, so completely, that earth itself, that nature itself reveals, surrenders the godliness that it contains, its capacity for godliness, because in the final analysis, it's that godliness that God is after, that God desires, that God is waiting for, as, as we are waiting for it. So the spies went, and they checked out the land, and they came back and said, we are too spiritual to make that adjustment. Sometimes our spiritual desires, our spiritual personality can actually get in the way of performing a mitzvah. It's conceivable, although it would take some stretch of the imagination, it's conceivable that a person motivated by spiritual concern, by high-minded intention, could actually refuse to give charity to a hungry man because there are better things to do. It's good to suffer. Hunger makes a man out of you. Arguments that may make sense on some level, but inherently go against the commandment. The argument that we could get more out of Shabbos, Shabbos could be a more spiritual experience if we all brought our uh, musical instruments and got together in the woods and, uh, and enjoyed the glory of, of nature and, and music uh, makes the soul soar. It could be a great spiritual experience, but then it's not Shabbos. So the story of the spies, spy versus spy, means that there's a good way of spying and there's a destructive way of spying. If we spy our part, if we check out the approach to the mitzvah, 
then we are the good spies. But we don't tamper with the mitzvah itself. Do the mitzvah as God wants it done and make it meaningful to yourself. It's not enough to simply obey with a dry and disinterested or dispassionate performance. It is also wrong and certainly not enough to be very passionate, interested, involved, committed, and experiencing deeply and greatly the glory, the beauty, the holiness, the meaningfulness of a mitzvah while not actually fulfilling the mitzvah. If a person were to sit down on the eve of Pesach before sunset and make a seder with the matzah and the moror and so on and so forth and truly contemplate the exodus from Egypt and experience what we're supposed to experience, that God takes every one of us out of Egypt, that we are all free because God takes us out of Egypt. We, we could all easily be slaves and in bondage. God takes us out of the house of bondage. He takes us out of slavery and gives us our freedom. And a person can think about this deeply and actually experience that freedom with a rush of gratitude for God, with a great thankfulness that moves him deeply to, to the core of his, of his soul, and he can sing out that thankfulness and that appreciation and that inspiration. And it's all really very intense and very powerful. But the sun hasn't set yet. It's not yet Pesach. Eating the matzah is not a mitzvah right now. Having a seder is not a mitzvah right now. This is not fulfilling God's needs. This is not providing him with what he wants. And that certainly is not enough, not good enough. So we need both things. We go into the promised land. We will inherit the land. We will do exactly what God wants, and we will do it the way he wants it. But we will do it with our enthusiasm, with our involvement, with our appreciation. We will spy out the mitzvah, and then we will know how we can best perform and fulfill that mitzvah. So we have a combination of a divine decree and human excitement, human warmth and involvement. And that combination, that's what Torah is all about. Thank you for joining us for the rest of the story. If you would like information about other tapes by Rabbi Friedman, please call 1-800-656-5669 because it's good to know.